Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Our mandate this year is to occupy the future. And if you're sitting in this building, this is part of our occupying the future. I don't know if you remember back to, when was it? November? October, November last year? And we surprised everybody because we'd come down and we'd had a look at this facility and we decided we were going to try and purchase this and we asked, Lord, for, for funds, Lord, for, from, from you all. And the funds came in. We purchased the building. And six months later, less than six months, yeah, six months later, we're sitting here now. It's so easy. We're saying this year has gone so quick and it seems like it's flying by. But someone said that to me this morning. I thought, can you imagine what we've done already this year? We tend to, to forget, this is, this is just amazing. Now it's going to fill full of people. Because the building's great, that's fantastic, but now we've got to fill it full of people. And to occupy the future, I started and I was going to speak this morning about our family because I thought, okay, we're coming down to Highway Gilston, we've got to build our family. And when I started looking at family, I got stuck. I got stuck on my faith. And I couldn't get past my faith, so... This is not what I plan to speak, but it's what I'm going to speak. You know, my faith journey started with a simple act of making a decision to give my life to him. And 30, 30 years ago, I did that, and I haven't stopped following him since then. Can you imagine what's going to happen when you take your last breath? And you go to see him, meet him face to face, and you can say, God, I've faithfully followed you all my life. All my life. For me, that's the greatest faith we could ever have. I believe in miracles. I believe in the supernatural. I believe in the restoration and power of God. But the greatest miracle is that God allowed me to get to know him. And he loves me. Faith, that's the biggest thing. So can I ask you this morning, if we were in a, a corporate situation, and this was a, a team event, I'd probably get everyone to take out their pens and, and their papers or their, their iPhone and say, what does your faith mean to you? And I'd give you probably five minutes to sit down and write down exactly what that means. We haven't got time to do that this morning, but I hope it is not just a ticket to heaven. I hope it is not just a belief in a, in a Father Christmas God that turns up when I need him. I hope it's not just a get-out-of-jail card when we need it. I hope it's not just a custom, and I hope it's not just a vain hope that he might be real. Our faith, your faith, my faith, should be alive and active. I stopped. Is it alive and active? Is it alive and active? Because if it's not, let's stir it up. Let's stir it up so it's alive and active, so we're not just sitting in our seats expecting someone to stand behind this pulpit or someone to, to praise or praise or give communion or whatever it may be, and to raise our faith expectation, but my faith is alive and active, that when I leave this place, my faith is going to do something. My faith and the things that I carry are supernatural, and I'm going to do something for God. We're going to look at someone this morning, and um, I picked Peter. And Peter, uh, if you know the story about Peter, and, and I was amazed, I was reading from the Gospel of Mark, and Mark spent a lot of time with Peter, and, and a lot of theologians say that, that Peter actually spoke to Mark. And so Mark just translated what Peter was saying, so 
I'm not going to call it the Gospel of Peter because Mark wrote it. But when I'm reading Mark now, I think, okay, this is what Peter was saying about himself. And I'm amazed how open he was about himself and what he, what he said about himself in the Gospel of Mark. So let's, talk, let's look at Mark. You know, Peter started out as a rough, unkept fisherman. And he'd be like a, and Paul, you're not a boilermaker, are you? A mechanic. He'd be like a boilermaker nowadays. And if you've worked on a big, boiler, a big building site, boilermakers are the roughest bunch. Is anyone here a boilermaker? Thank goodness. Because boilermakers, I, I can remember on this work site in New Zealand, and there were thousands of people on this work site. I was an electrician. There were 350 electricians alone working on this site. It was huge. And if the weather was fine, or if there was a reason to go to the pub, the boilermakers would come out of their shop in the morning, they would stand at the front, and someone would shout, pull the pin. And they would start this unison, and they'd call, something would have happened. I don't know what it was, whether the toilets weren't clean enough or something. And they would call a union meeting, we would go out to the front gate, and the boilermakers would take control, and the boilermakers would inevitably would go home for the day. And they'd go to the pub. They'd watch the races, if there was a good football match was on, and mind you, when they were on the working site, like I said, they were, you could not listen to their voices because every second word was a coarse word. I'm, I'm not saying as a whole, but they were rough. So that was the type of guy that Peter was. Fishermen were the lowest of the low. They were the ones that, that couldn't make their rabbinical training. They were the ones that couldn't make it enough in life, and so they were fishing. Well, that was Peter. So Jesus turns up to Peter, and he calls him. Peter and Andrew, and they both, at the very word and the asking of this rabbi, decide we're going to follow him, and they leave everything behind. They left everything behind. They left everything behind, and they went and followed Jesus. Everything behind. This is the guy that was, he was rough as, but when he saw something, he was committed. Peter was the guy who jumped, and we're going to look at a few jumps this morning. So for Mark 6, verses 7 to 13, and this is after Peter had been with Jesus for a fair while, he'd seen him raise the dead, he'd seen them heal people, he'd seen Jesus cast out demons, he'd seen Jesus do miraculous miracles, and now Jesus was calling the 12 together and he was sending them out. So calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two, and I hope I've got the the right translation. Two by two, and gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. In other words, walk by faith. Wear sandals and not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you, or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust of your feet as a testimony against them. And they went out and preached that the people should repent. This is the verse I like. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. So for us, we haven't got Jesus standing before us this morning. We haven't walked with him personally 
But we have this thing called the Word of God that tells us and gives us instructions. And just as Peter chose to follow Jesus because what he saw, can we believe that the Word of God is the very presence of God in our lives? When it's anointed by the Holy Spirit, it is truth. It is truth for us and we can trust this Word that's for us. And we can do exactly the same things as what Peter did in that last, Peter and the disciples did in that last verse of that reading. Can we all say this morning, it's my turn. Can we say it again? It's my turn. You say it again. It's my turn. Do you believe it's your turn? Yes. Don't let anything hold you back. It's my turn. Because Peter was impetuous. He jumped in. But what is stopping us being impetuous? What is stopping us jumping in? Are we going to make that, if nothing else, when you leave this morning, can you remember those three words? It's my turn. Can we say it again? It's my turn. It's my turn. That's right. It's my turn. God, it's my turn. It is my turn. God, I don't want to miss that any longer. It's my turn. It's my turn. It's my turn. Bold and sometimes wrong. This Peter even rebukes Jesus when he said he's going to die and rise again. And he says, that can't happen. This is a guy who's pretty bold. The same guy, Matthew 14, 25 to 32. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, it's you, Peter replied. Tell me to come to you on the water. And you know, he's saying the same things to us. Will you come out in the water with me? Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to seek, cried out, Lord, save me. Same with us as I was speaking about that marriage covenant. When you see the wind, you tend to take your eyes off Jesus and you can begin to sink. But you know what he did next? He cried out, Lord, save me, when he realized. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed to the boat, the wind died down. Oh, this morning, it's my turn. It's my turn to walk on water. It's my turn to do something miraculous. God, it's my turn. It's my turn. Have you got the faith to walk out, take that step out of the boat onto the water? Because it's your turn. It's not just my turn, it's your turn. It's your turn. What are you going to do? That same Peter, we read later in Acts, he preaches the gospel and 3,000 are saved in one day. Impetuous Peter, God, it's my turn. Have you got a dream and a vision that it's your turn? It's your turn. Maybe you're not going to do the big things like Peter. But maybe it's your turn when I get up in the morning. When I get up in the morning and my thoughts go straight to a depressive thought. And I'm sitting there, this is going to be a terrible day. Can we make those decisions? God, it's my turn to have a good day. God, it's my turn. It's my turn to take that step out of the boat. It's my turn to change my life. 
It's my turn. It's my turn. We all have a measure of faith. All of us have asked for something. If you've been around as long as I have in the faith, you have your good times when your faith is at a height, but you have your bad times where situations and circumstances challenge what your belief system is. And just as Mark was saying during communion, what is truth? Is it what is happening in your life or is it the word of God? It's a decision we make. And as I said before, some of us have walked away from this covenant because of the things that have happened in our life where we need to make a decision. It's what the word of God says and that's what I'm standing on. Can I encourage you this morning? If you think this is condemning, it's not. It's, it's a challenge to you to realize that when you do that, God has an answer and things happen supernaturally in your life. When we choose to make that decision, it's what God says, and I believe in what God says. By his stripes, I am healed. It is not a product of our bank balances, our intellect, our social structure. It is not where we came from, because look where Peter came from. It is just the fact of stepping in to Jesus, stepping into all that he has for us. So my first quick point this morning, see, believe, hear, and see. Peter had been watching Jesus and believed he could do supernatural things. And as I said before, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. We need to put this word of God in us. Now let me ask a question. How many of you read the word of God? Do you get up in the morning? Do you read... Let's, oh, let's use our phone. I use my phone more than anything else. We pick up our phone and we read our verse in our Bible app that says whatever it was this morning. And we read it and say, God, I've, I've read my Bible verse this morning. Now I'm off to work. May I encourage you to read the word means not just to read with our eyes. It means to read with our heart. And a lot of people go on and they, they talk about and I've forgotten the word. <laughs> meditation. It's a negative word. I've spoken to people who meditate about some, in certain ways and we don't agree with a lot of things. But to meditate on the word of God. The word of God is not just to read. The word of God is to live. And the only way to read the word of God is to read it, sit down, meditate it. What would happen if you read the word of God and you read about how Jesus spoke and he said, I'm going to leave the 99 for the one. And you sat down in your seat and you say, I'm the one. And you meditate, you say, what does that mean for me? Does that change it for you? As you sit down and you meditate upon it, if I'm the one, if that means you're leaving everybody and I'm the one, that means when something happens wrong in my life, you see me. That means... When I'm feeling pain in my body, you feel my pain. Because I'm the one, and you're looking at the one. When you meditate on the word, you allow it to sink deep. So it actually penetrates your very belly. And it sits down deep in you. So when something happens, the word of God is what you believe in. It is not what you just read. It is what I believe. It is who I am. It is the word of God. My sheep listen to my voice. And that's just not this. That's this. I know them and they follow me. By the way, it's not what you want. It's what God says. Sometimes that's challenging. Did any of you get up this morning? And did you say, 
God, do you want me to go to church today? Did anyone say that? I hope not. But you say, God, do you want me to go to church today? God's word says not to neglect the gathering of the saints. And if you know God's word, you're going to come to church because it's, it's something he decrees over us because it's good for us. Simple, simple illustration. You read God's word so you can hear his voice clearer. I hear his voice. I haven't heard it audibly. I've heard it in my spirit a few times, like really, really strongly, where I know this is a word from God and I know he's speaking me to, to, to do something really, really um, with clarity, to go to this person at this time and do this. And that's happened to me a few times when I've done that. But normally, it's just I'm going along and I'll get a feeling that's not quite right. You know, when we, we sold our first, uh, uh, the last house we are in, and as we're signing the contract, I had this, this feeling in my gut, like, this is not right, this is not right. And stupid me signed the contract. And we went through how many years? Two years of probably absolute hell because I didn't listen to this voice deep down within me. It's that voice that comes as you get to realize, you get to recognize the voice of the Spirit, but you get to recognize that through reading His Word, meditating on Him, spending time, and we're going to go through a few other things in a minute. Do. Second point, do. Just step in just like Peter. Doesn't matter what, where you come from, doesn't matter how much you know, doesn't matter if you've known the Lord for one day or for 30 years, just do. Do what he says. If you fail, you'll be like Peter where you fall down, you're going walking on the water and the next minute you're going under, Jesus picks you up. It doesn't matter if you fail, it matters that you didn't try. I've always stepped in. Claire and I have always through our whole life have been involved with some sort of ministry. Always. From the, not from the very moment, probably from the first week I was saved, I was doing something for God. And I've done that my whole life. Sometimes we didn't want to do what we were doing for God, and that's being honest. Sometimes we felt like that was the last thing I wanted to do. But do you know what? When you step in and you do something for God, God just turns up. You see his hand in what you're doing. Doesn't matter what you're feeling like, just do something for God. If he was good enough to die for me, then I'm, I can just do something for him. We're waiting for God to do something a lot of the time. But he is waiting for us to do something, to step in. The verse we had last year, Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, I was thinking about this during the week and I was thinking about Caleb and I think everybody here knows the Bible fairly well but if you don't, the Israelite nation were held kept captive for a few hundred years. Um, they leave and they go into the promised land. Caleb goes into the promised land with, with 11 others. Two of the spies give a good report. Ten of them say no. Well, Caleb's got to live with a bad report of 10 others because they make the decision to listen to him first. And He wanders around the desert for 40 years knowing he could have entered into his promise but he never forgets the promise. He never forgets his God. He never loses his faith because when he finally gets in the land, what does Caleb do? And we probably all should know this. What does he say? Give me my mountain. Give me my mountain. He's over 80 years old and 40 years after, after expecting the promise, he is still pushing into the promise and he still says, give me my mountain. I don't know where you're at this morning, but this was a man of faith. 
He didn't lose his faith. He got stronger in his faith. And when the opportunity to step in, give me my mountain. I wrote down my, my faith statement. If I was going to say what my faith was, I don't know if you've ever done this, but I wrote it down. And I'm going to read it out. My faith is giving my life to God. Believing that Jesus sacrificed for me on the cross was totally incomplete. That I am saved by grace and not works. This means just as Jesus rode from the dead, that means I don't have to be controlled by my sinful nature and I can rise above it as I stay close to him. That means I want to or have a desire to see his kingdom be established, to be a carrier of his spirit and doing so I am full of authority and power. So I read his word and allow it to pervade my soul. So I'm transformed into his image. I pray and talk to God and invite him into my life daily. I give permission for his spirit to flow through me. I purposely take steps in him and steps into the unknown. That would be my faith statement as I wrote it down the other night. I have faith in the first one, the blood of Jesus. It washes us clean. I'm justified. I'm free. I'm victorious. I'm full of power because Jesus overcame with his blood that was shed for us. We are the same. His blood washes over us so we can overcome by the blood of the Lamb. I believe in the authority of his name, that name that's above every other name, because Jehovah Jireh is my provider. In Philippians 4.19, it says, My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. We gave our tithes and offerings. In Malachi 3.10, it says, To bring all the tithes in the storehouse, and there won't be room enough to, to hold the blessing that's going to pour out on us. You know, as we prioritize God, God prioritizes us. Let me ask to tell you, if there's something wrong in your life, make a decision to prioritize God and see where God, what God does in your life. Jehovah Rapha, he's my healer. And just as Mark spoke this morning, it's past tense, we're already healed. You know, I've had times in my life where I've carried a bit of sickness for a while. Not bad sickness, but sickness. And I've prayed, God, heal me. Will you heal me? Please heal me. I've, I've commanded and I've said, I, I believe by his stripes I'm healed. I'm healed in Jesus' name. That has gone on for a long, long period of time. But did I stop saying it? No. Why would I stop proclaiming that? It's already happened. I don't care what my body says. If my body is still sick. I'm still going to say that I'm healed in Jesus' name because that's my faith statement. And if you're sitting here this morning, and I know there's some of you have got sicknesses in your body. Some of you have got dire sickness in your body. But is it your faith statement this morning? I am healed. I am healed in Jesus' name. Body, you come under that word. You are healed in Jesus' name. It doesn't matter whether we see that or not for a long period of time, because that is our faith statement. That is who we are. Do you believe that this morning? Do we believe what happens in our life to dictate us? Or do we believe in the word of God to dictate us? It's the faith aspect that we have. The faith aspect. Jehovah Nissi. He's my banner. That means I'm a conqueror. That means I'm victorious in him. You've got to realize through all this too as I'm saying this. This is not coming from a puffed up position. This is coming from a position where I realize Jesus is my all. That it's only through the Holy Spirit's power and authority and is flowing through my life that I get to do anything. I choose to come under him. But in that, I now stand up and I step up and I say I'm more than a conqueror through him. I'm more than victorious through him. 
You know, maybe going through a situation where you don't feel peace. Well, Jehovah Shalom is your peace. Jehovah Shammah, ever present. He never leaves you, never forsakes you. That's a promise. That's through the authority of his name. Do you believe in the faith and the infallible word of God, as I was saying? We might not just read it, but allow it to medita- meditate on it, and allow it to deep, sink deep within us. Do we believe in the possibilities of prayer? Do we actually believe that God hears us and does answer? But we must have honest prayers. Do we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Oh, well, there should be a chair goes up. Do we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? You know, we are so blessed that we live on this timeline, this side of when Jesus died, that we are actually carriers of his Holy Spirit. It is in us. We should be jumping out of our skins because we carry the the raw manifest presence of the Holy Spirit is in you and in me. I read in Acts 10, 44, Peter, when he was speaking. And we all read about the the verse where he was speaking, 3,000 were saved. Later on, he's speaking to a crowd of people. And before he even finishes what he's saying, the Holy Spirit fell. I don't know what happened in that service. Do you think it was pandemonium? Do you think he finished speaking? Do you think he had a chance to finish speaking? The Holy Spirit fell. And Gentiles, who weren't supposed to be full of the Holy Spirit, also all, which is us, were filled with the Holy Spirit. And that means they were filled with power and authority to go out and do the same thing that Peter did. Can we, as we've built this building down here, finish this building, bring some of the Holy Spirit here. This room is going to be pregnated with the Holy Spirit every Sunday. That as we come in, something supernatural is going to happen in this place. You know, the closest I've ever felt to God is when I've stepped in. When I've prayed for the sick and I've seen the sick healed as I touched them. When I've walked out in faith, when I thought this is never going to work and it works. When I've encountered the Holy Spirit a few times in my life, one specifically big time, when they had to carry me off the floor, with, I don't know if you've all experienced that, to carry me off the floor, I, I went to go down to the front, and I've said this before a while ago, I made a decision to, to, there was an altar call, and I went to walk down to the front, I never made it to the front, and I had to slump on a seat halfway down, and I couldn't talk, I couldn't move, I couldn't do whatever else, and God was just sending these waves through me, and these waves through me, and as I left that room, and I was in the car, and they had to carry me out of the building. I physically couldn't walk, and they put me in the back seat of the car. Um, I'm lying in the back seat of this car, and, and these waves are going through me, and I can see these bolts of lightning going down the road as we're driving. And they're coming out of my fingertips and out of my eyeballs as these bolts of lightning. And for the next, I don't know how long it was, period of time, whatever I said, people listened to. As I've said this before, I think, a while ago, I sat in my lunchroom the very next day at work, Every single person in that workplace sat down and listened to the gospel. And it was just dead quiet, deathly quiet. Everybody listened. I was doing nothing different. But something had come upon me and there was an outflow of what had happened to me. Do you hunger for that? I hunger for that every day. Listen, it's still here with me now. Even though I don't feel it often, I'm still going to step into that. I'm still going to allow His Holy Spirit to work through me. Just the same as He did at that period of time. This isn't a new thing. I was reading about John Wesley. 
In the 1700s, England was a cesspool of drunk, drunkenness. It was full of casinos. At that time, 97% of the infant poor, or the young people, the kids, died in workhouses. So if you were working in a workhouse, 97% of your friends or whatever would die in that workplace. That's how bad it was. The slave trade was rife. The morals structure of the society had broken down. And in that, God raised up some mighty men. One of them was John Wesley. And he, he, it says he was born in 1703. He died in 1791. At the beginning, this man was not wanted in churches. He tried to get in churches and they wouldn't let him in because he was so radical. And so he'd preach the gospel out in the fields. He would preach the gospel in the streets. During his meetings, hundreds would fall down. He would pray and many would be healed. Every day he prayed one hour in the morning. He prayed one hour at night. And some days he studied the word for 15 hours before he preached. This was a man who was dedicated to God. This was also a man who saw regular shaking, regular crying, regular sweating, regular fainting, regular trembling, and uncontrollable seeing in his meetings. This is 200 years ago, people. May I say, can we not lose that if we've lost it? This was a man who spoke about how he, in the midnight hours, the Holy Spirit would fall upon him and he would find himself on the floor, not being able to get up. He would find himself with waves of love washing over him during the midnight hours. He would find himself speaking words that he never thought were possible. This was 200 years ago in the, revi in the revival when, when the Great Awakening was happening. It's happened 200 years ago. What have we built on people? This isn't condemning. But can we go back to the Pentecostal church that was built and realize that same Holy Spirit that touched John Wesley is the same Holy Spirit that can flow through us. The same Holy Spirit, let me say, it is flowing through you. But will you allow it to flow through you? Will you allow it out? Can I also encourage you? If you pray and say, God, will you touch me? You don't feel anything. Don't stop. Pursue him. Be a pursuer of God. Never stop pursuing him. Just because I tried it once doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Just because I tried it 10 times doesn't mean it's going to happen. Do you believe in the word of God? If you believe in the word of God, then if I fail 100 times, I'm still going to press into you, God, that your Holy Spirit is still going to touch me. It's still going to anoint me. I'm still anointed for, for your purpose, Lord, for my life. Can we believe? You might not carry not to be exactly the same path as John Wesley. But you can be a John Wesley in your situation. He brought a great revival. He started the Methodist church. And do you know what his greatest fear was? That people in the church would be content without the power and the excitement of God. That people in the church would be content without the power and the excitement of God. I was going to speak about family and I never got there because... When I started looking at faith and these things, I thought, if we're going to be a family here, we need to love each other. We need to be able to, as it says in Mark 12, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and all your strength. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself, for there's no commandment greater than this. And there's only way I can see, one way I can see that's going to happen, 
is when we follow him 100%. We allow his Holy Spirit to speak and to talk to us, to flow through us, so we can be the very people that are going to change the, others around, the people around us. Do you want that this morning? I want that, that this morning. A common goal, because do you know what? Unless the Lord builds his house, we build in vain. Can I ask the worship team to come up? Our theme this year is occupying the future. I know in myself, I'm never going to be enough. I need his authority in my life. I need his power in my life. I need his anointing upon my life to carry out what he wants me to do. If you're here this morning, and maybe you're a bit, a bit dry. Maybe you don't know if you really believe in this at all, that this Holy Spirit can come down and, and, and rest upon me and empower me to go out and do miraculous things for Him. Maybe you've let yourself drain out a little bit. Maybe you've prayed 20 times for something that hasn't happened and you say, I'm not gonna do that because it doesn't work for me. Maybe you need a big influx of the Holy Spirit upon your life this morning. Maybe you need to get back to the grassroots. Have a covenant relationship with God. That marriage covenant where you get, once again, I'm standing before you, God. And just as like you gave your son for me, now I'm gonna give myself to you. That this covenant relationship you're not gonna break. And God, I make the choice as much as humanly possible, I am not gonna break it either. I don't know if that's you this morning. Bit of a broad throw out. But basically what I would love to see is each and every one of you so close to our Saviour. You're impregnated with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, Hannah, she often leads worship here. She had a baby during the week. Oh, I've forgotten her name. What's her name? Hazel. Hazel. That's an awesome name. That's an awesome name. You know, if we're going to be impregnated with something, let's be impregnated with the Holy Spirit. Because just like the natural, if you're impregnated with the Holy Spirit, then there's a birthing. Something takes place. What are you going to birth in your life? through the Holy Spirit.